there. Alexander Barkov, another shot for the Cats to win it in the seventh round. Barkov, let's go, Hello and welcome back to the Palm Tree Podcast. Justin Bedford alongside nobody this week because Noah is out of town and I could not get anyone else to fill in. Um, So it's just me this week, guys. Um, But it has not been the best of weeks for the Florida Panthers. Um, They dropped decisions to both Philadelphia and Edmonton. Um, So I think that makes it one win in their last... Uh, seven games, which is not ideal, uh, looking ahead to the playoff picture. Um, I didn't catch a lot of the Philadelphia game. I was watching uh, the Edmonton game, um, and I think this is a game, it, the score was 4-1, obviously two empty netters for the Oilers, um, so much closer um, than that kind of score indicates, but um, you know, this this is a game where you know the Panthers, they're healthy now. Uh, for the most part, um, and you're going up against an Oilers team that's missing um, a lot of guys in their top six: Zach Cassian, Connor McDavid, and James Neal. Um, so I thought this was about as good an opportunity um, as there was to kind of to get some points um, going into this one. Um, you know, was, was hopeful um, that they would be able to pull it out and kind of rely on their depth. Um, both goalies played really, really well. Um, Miko Koskinen uh, and Edmonton's net made some big, big saves for them. Um, but to me, the, the one noticeable thing is, like, I think uh, going up against a team like Edmonton in the past, um, one of the kind of things with them is um, they don't play overly hard. Um, and I think that's the biggest difference with them this year is that they're they're getting to pucks quick. Um, they're winning battles. Um, and, and that was tough for the Panthers to handle. Um, there were some good good kind of uh, moments throughout the game where the Panthers were coming off uh, coming off of a power play where they didn't score, but they were able to keep the momentum going for a little while. Um, so that was nice to see. But overall, I mean, um, you're looking now at the playoff picture, and they're sitting four points back of the Leafs, one game in hand, um, the they're sitting five points back of a wild card, uh, and it's gonna be you know tough for them. And I think you're kind of getting they had that great stretch before the All Star break. They come out of it, they kind of flop a little bit. They struggled against momentum, and now you're looking at it, and you're kind of in a situation where you can fold and sell off assets like Mike Hoffman and you know maybe some other guys. Um, the contenders will be looking at, or you can look ahead and add and um, continue to try and go for it and make a push and hopefully get into the playoffs. Um, a lot of different directions they can take this. It'll be interesting um, to see uh, how they kind of approach the deadline um, and how they kind of view themselves. And like, um, kind of reminds me of one quote, uh, I'm not even sure who said it, but it it was about uh, goaltending, and it's like you're never um, as good as you think you are, and you're never as bad as you think you are. And so with the Panthers, you have the six game winning streak, and then you have you know the, the way they've played out coming out of the break. Um, and so I don't think they're as bad as they've been lately, 
I don't think they were as good as they were before the break. They're kind of somewhere in the middle. Um, and it's just being able um, to prove that um, and to get, get some points in the bank. The good news is that coming up here, it's, it's a nice, I wouldn't say easy, but they have three games here that are very winnable games. And I think if they are going to be a playoff team and make a push, that these are games they need to get at least points in every single one of them. Probably you're looking at four or five out of six points. Um, it starts tomorrow, an afternoon game against uh, the San Jose Sharks, who, um, I mean, they've just been depleted by injuries um, and weren't even playing that great when they were healthy. So that's a game where it would be nice for the Panthers to go in there um, and, you know, put up put up some points uh, and, and to get the win there. Mike Hoffman also playing against his former team, you know, so there's that storyline. Um, and then after that, it's the Ducks and the Kings, all the California teams that have really struggled this year. Um, and I think, yeah, I think this is kind of make or break time for this team uh, over this three-game stretch here. Um, it'll be interesting. LA and Anaheim are interesting teams. They don't have a lot of speed throughout their lineup, so if if I was Florida, I'd be trying to, you know, emphasize that and and play fast pace, move the puck quickly, um, and get on them and as quickly as possible. Um, the other thing that's been interesting o- over the last little while is that, uh, not over the last little while, but in the Florida game, it was, in the Edmonton game, it was Sam Montembeau that got the start uh, over Sergei Bobrovsky. Um, after, you know, like Bobrovsky had that, you know, pretty strong run of play, um, you know, before the break, um, he's come out of it and he just hasn't been, um, the same. Um, and so, uh, giving Montembeau the start there was interesting and showing how, you know, there's still, um, you know, there's still some inconsistency with Sergei Bobrovsky, which is getting a little bit worrisome. I mean, usually this is the time of year where he kind of comes out of it, um, and usually turns it up a notch. Um, but it hasn't looked like that so far. So it'll be interesting to see um, uh, how how the goaltending holds up over the next little bit between the two. Um, and then, yeah, just looking at the schedule here, um, after that kind of, you know, California trip, you have two more Pacific opponents, and then you have the Toronto Maple Leafs, and that's a big game there, um, as I'm sure everyone's aware of. Um, depending on how things go over that stretch, they could be neck and neck. Um, and the way teams are playing, like, I think it is going to be two Metro teams that end up taking the wild card spots. Um, and it's, I think it's either going to be Florida or Toronto that's taking that last divisional spot. So it'll be, um, it'll be a battle for sure. And, uh, who knows? Who knows? Uh, I didn't really, uh, cause I don't have anyone here with me this week. Uh, everyone's away. So I thought maybe we would take a, a little bit of a look at some of the prospects on the Panthers, how they've been doing this year, um, and you know maybe their, their trajectory going forward. Um, we'll start off with the big one, which is uh, Spencer Knight playing at Boston College this year. Um, he has been unbelievable. Um, I think he's exceeded uh, the expectations that were put in front of them. Um, you're looking at the guy who's the goaltender of the future for this team, um, which was a bit perplexing that they took him and then signed Bobrovsky. 
Um, but with the way Bobrovsky's played, I think we might see Spencer Knight in there sooner rather than later, meaning, you know, three, two, three years down the road. Um, but the early signs from him so far uh, in the NCAA have been very, very encouraging. Um, a 9.27 is impressive for any college goalie, um, but to do it coming in on uh, your first year there um, is excellent. Um, and so um, all positive signs so far. I think he's going to be a tremendous goalie for this team. Um, he's so big, so strong, moves so well. He's calm. Um, really just every attribute you would want in a goalie. Um, and right now, I mean, you, I think everyone's pretty happy with that pick. Uh, moving on, this the interesting uh, one, which was Saran Noel, um, who hasn't played a whole bunch this year. He was playing in Oshawa, um, point-per-game player there. Uh, he gets dealt the Kitchener, where he only has five points in his 11 games, um, which obviously the lack of production is concerning. Um, especially for a player of his his age, um, and what you would hope to see from him. Uh, I actually had uh, some friends that have watched him play a few times with the Kitchener Rangers uh, over the last few weeks, and they've said, you know, the production's not there, but you can tell he's a dominant, dominant player um, with the size and the speed that he has, and so... I think going forward, I think the expectation, I don't think the expectation ever was that he was going to be a big offensive guy at the NHL level. I think the expectation is that he is more of a big, fast uh, depth player with some skill um, and some ability to produce. And I think, you know, obviously you would, yeah, you would like to see more development and more offense out of him. Um, But I think he will be, you know, a useful player for this team down the road, just maybe not in a prominent capacity. Um, and it, and that's not a bad thing either. I mean, you have a lot of, uh, you know, top six guys right now that are in their primes that are producing, um, and then you have a couple prospects like uh, Owen Tippett, who everyone kind of, you know, predicts will be in that top six role at some point. Um, and so to get a really good young depth guy um, that can fill your lineup, um, it's important as well. And so I think Saran Noel kind of falls into that category. Um It'll, it'll be interesting to, to, to follow him going forward. He's one of the more interesting prospects in the system. Um, next up here, I uh, wanted to highlight Grigory Denisenko. Um, the Russian forward is playing in the KHL this year. Um, his production in the KHL is about equivalent to what it was last year. He's obviously played more games. Um, once again, for the second year in a row, he was very, very good at the World Junior Championship. Um, nine points in seven games. And to me, I mean, he he, he seems like he's going to be a really good player moving forward. He has so much uh, skill. Um, he can make plays. He can shoot the puck. Um, and so I, I'm curious to see is when he's going to come over. Um, but right now, all very, very encouraging signs from him. The KHL is a tough league to produce in as a young player. Um, and he's done a, a fairly good job of that. And he's produced against his peers in, in international tournaments. So, I mean, this is a player I'm very, very excited about. Um, it'll be, uh, yeah, exciting to watch him going forward and then uh, seeing when eventually he comes over um, and can help out this team. Next up, we have uh, Vladislav Kolyachanik, uh, who's the Panthers' second rounder last year after Spencer Knight. 
Um, we've also talked about him before. Um, interesting though, his production is up from where it was last year. Uh, he's seemed to have rounded out it, rounded out his two way game. Um, his plus minus, which I know is not a great stat, has been much better this year. As Flint has been a bit better as well. Um, but really positive signs. Um, the biggest thing is that he's been using his shot a lot more, um, and it's been getting through a lot more to 11 goals uh, compared to last year's four. Um, w- you know, with this pick when the Panthers took him, we were, you know, the thinking is kind of this guy's not going to be, you know, maybe a, a top pairing focal point uh, guy on a defense, um, but he can be a very, very uh, solid top four defenseman. Uh, down the road, and you know he's got decent size, strong, um, and so yeah, I think he, he's had a he's had a solid year. Maybe not as much uh, offensive growth as people would have wanted, um, but rounding out his game and just being a, a big part of that Flint team, uh, he's been he's been huge. Um, the last guy we wanted to talk about here, just on our little prospect segment, was uh, John Ludwig. Um, out uh, of the Portland Winterhawks. We talked about it when we were reviewing our prospects at the start of the year. We were a little bit perplexed at this pick, him going, uh, you know, in the third round because he wasn't, you know, a widely talked about player. And he only had 18 points in 58 games. His plus minus, he was a plus 38. Um, he was a physical guy, kind of shut down defenseman. Um, but there was some concern, I think, with, you know, the lack of offense just because, you know, if players don't, aren't producing offense in junior um, defenseman that is, then, you know, when you get to the next level, um, it usually doesn't project for them, uh, producing a lot, but this year, I mean, he has just been outstanding, um, 52 points in 53 games, 16 goals, plus 39, I mean, by any measurement, he has just taken off this year, uh, on a good Portland team, um, and that has just been really exciting. The, probably the prospect I've been most impressed with in terms of where the expectation was um, and, you know, where they are now. I mean, he has just been tremendous uh, for Portland. And, you know, at the start, we were kind of thinking maybe a bottom pairing guy. Um, weren't really sure, you know, if he was ever going to be a regular NHLer. Um, but he's put himself on the map with that. And... It's interesting because I, you know, there's a lot of prospects that have good draft plus one years and they get, you know, a lot of, a lot of hype, a lot of praise for what they're doing. Um, I don't think there's been nearly enough talk about this kid, um, you know, through people I've, I've been talking to, um, but he has just been terrific and I'm, I'm excited to see where he goes, uh, moving forward. Um, and he, he looks like a real player right now, um, which is just Terrific news for the Florida Panthers. Um, that's it for this uh, kind of prospect segment. Um, I think I'll touch on some more uh, on Wednesday. I think I'll probably be alone for that one too. So I'm hoping to get someone else on. But if not, it will just be doing this again, which I know is not ideal. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Um, but lastly here, I guess we'll continue with... Uh, what we've been doing before, looking at the the trade bait list um, and any changes there and some some names that might come up um, with regards to, uh, you know, the deadline. Uh, It'll be interesting. Um, One of the names that's interesting that's on there, I don't know if we talked about him in the earlier episodes, Robert Bertuzzo. 
Actually, I think we might have, to be honest. Uh, right-handed D with some term. I think there'll be some interest there. I don't know if St. Louis is going to want to sell off on him, um, especially with the uh, incident with Jay Bowmeister. Um, so we'll keep an eye on him. Uh, other names that are out there, um, and there's not, not a whole lot here, um, but there's uh, Yessi Pugliarvi, who the uh, Oilers prospect, former fourth overall pick. Um, I don't see him uh, being moved. I think Edmonton uh, does not want to move him for a rental. I think they'd like to, to move maybe at the draft or in the summer for uh, a pick or another young player, but I don't see him being moved for a rental. Um, so I would imagine, he, yeah, he stays put. Um, other names on here, I don't know if we talked about Josh Anderson, um, but I'd imagine there's a lot of interest in him. Uh just because he hasn't had the best of year. Um, he's had some injuries, obviously. Um, but a guy like that with size and speed, um, there's going to be a lot of teams that uh, would look for a guy like that. He'll be interesting uh, to watch. But with Columbus, you know, well in the race, I don't know if they'd be looking to sell off on him, even though he's an RFA. Um, so, yeah, I, I imagine there's interest, but I'm, I'm a little surprised to see him on this list. Um other names, we have Nate Thompson, um, depth player in Montreal. He's a solid player. Like He can be a, a, a bottom six uh, a center. Uh, but again, it really depends on Montreal and uh, what their kind of thinking is because they're still technically you know in it. And if they go on a nice stretch here, um, you'd probably want to keep them around. Um Kyle Turris is on this list. I don't know if we talked about him earlier either. Um, he's an interesting one because he's he's had not a like not a great year, a mining stretch, but a, a better year than last year. Um, Twenty four points. Um, the issue is obviously he has the four years left at the six million dollar cap hit. Um, because of the term, obviously, I think you know Nashville wouldn't be looking to to retain any of that um, if they, if they don't have to. I don't imagine you'd get much back for him. So if there's a team out there that maybe has, you know, depth and projects to have long-term cap space, um, I think he could be a really nice fit. Um, but, you know, uh, again, I don't see him uh, being moved uh, anytime uh, soon. I don't know if there's going to be that much interest. Um, some of the other names going back to the top of the list here, Chris Kreider, um, there's been rumors that it's looking like uh, he will be resigning with the Rangers. Obviously, nothing close to official. That's just kind of what the thing's been. And I mean, for them, if they can keep a guy like that around, a guy with uh, you know speed and leadership and can put up points, um, they're they're in a weird kind of cap situation moving forward. But I think that is a guy you would want to keep around um, to help with some of the young kids there. Um, so I would I would be I, I would expect him maybe to get signed here in the next little bit. Um, as for who, who's the next guy to go, I don't know. Um, one of the really interesting names here on this list that I don't know if we've talked about before that has kind of jumped up has been Anthony D'Angelo, um, who's had an unbelievable year this year uh, for the New York Rangers. But with that cap situation, and he is an RFA. Um, I would imagine it would be pretty hard to, to bring him back because um, he's going to get 
he's going to get paid, rightfully so. Um, so it'll be. It'll, I'm, I'm curious to see how the Rangers handle um, some of the guys they have and how they view themselves and how they want to carry out this rebuild. Um, and then another name on Mike Hoffman's obviously on here, um, a UFA. I think if the Panthers do continue to slide, which hopefully is not the case. Um, I would imagine Mike Hoffman gets gets dealt, and I think there's going to be a lot of interest from a lot of teams, um, just because you know he is, he is a pure rental, um, but with the production he's had, um, I, I would imagine that you have first round pick or a really good prospect is is what's coming back. I don't exactly know what the Panthers will be looking at. Um, maybe I think you know get, yeah, getting a more NHL ready prospect. Or a defenseman maybe would be be kind of of interest, um, but interesting. Uh, I think that's really dependent on how things go the next uh, next couple of weeks here before the deadline, um, and as to what they end up doing. Uh, lastly, here just before we go, we got like nine minutes left. Um, one of the things from around the league this year, uh, this past week, was the Zach Cassian incident, um, where he. Kicked Eric Chernock in the chest. Got a seven-game suspension. Um, this was an interesting one for me. Um, one of the more divisive, I think, incidents around the league that I've seen in the last couple years. Because, um, you know, you can understand... Like, there's there's definitely arguments on, on both sides. Some valid, some not as valid. Um, and, and it's such a niche incident where there isn't a whole lot of uh, you know clarity on it. Like it's not like a hit to the head where you can look at a bunch of hits to the head and say, well, this was, you know, this was a similar one to this. So the punishment is going to be however many games. Um, when you look at the kick, and I was looking through the NHL rule book, um, there isn't a whole lot of information on that. A lot of it is just dependent on the uh, commissioner, I believe, um, and the Department of Player Safety. So. Um, I was looking at, yeah, that, and then looking at some of the past incidents of kicks, um, and, and it, and it's difficult because it's, you know, it's, it, it is for sure a kick. It's not overly hard. It's in his chest, very, very close to the neck. It can be a lot worse. Um, Chernock was not injured on the play. Um, so he ends up getting, uh, Zach Casting, he ends up getting, uh, seven games, uh, for, for the kick, um, I know there's some people who think it should be less because, you know, the, you, you barely, you didn't kick him that hard and because there was no injury. There are people who think it should be more because, um, you don't kick people in the chest. Um, that's just not something you do. It's incredibly dangerous. You have a blade on your foot. Um, based on, pr- like, there's some people who think you should be suspended for the entire rest of the season, which would be 20 games, 20 plus games. Um, I think that would be a little bit extreme. Um, just because you look at other uh, incidents that have led to suspensions that long and coming to mind would be like the Chris Simon stomp on uh, Rutu many, many years ago. And I don't see it on that kind of level. Um, my kind of estimation from the incident, um, and this is just my opinion, was that it was going to be somewhere between 8 and 12, uh, 12 games as the punishment, and that would be approximately fair. I know a lot of people... Yeah, I really do think it should have been more than that, and I understand that. Um, 
And I think a big part of why it wasn't is because there was no injury. Um, but just an incredibly dangerous play uh, by Zach Cassian, something that, you know, cannot and should not happen uh, in this league or any league. Um, and it's it's going to really hurt his team going forward, um, which is unfortunate for, for them and for him. Um, but, yeah, like, and I, I think, yeah, it could have been more and maybe should have been more, but at the same time, I don't think it's that low a mark where I'm, like, that upset that it's it's seven games. Um, I know there's a lot of people that will disagree with that, um, which is which is fine as well. Again, with an incident like this, there's a lot of room for opinion and interpretation. There's uh, a lot of arguments that can be made, um, but it doesn't, in the end, it doesn't really matter. He's going to be sitting out... Uh, you know, those seven games he's already sat at one. Um, and so um, that's just kind of the way it is. And then um, yesterday, I think it was Evander Kane, got a, he got the three-game suspension for uh, an elbow to the head. Um, and he went on social media. He was ripping on the Department of Player Safety um, for that suspension and for similar incidents that didn't warrant a suspension. And there's the Chara cross check that got a fine, um, and it's it's interesting because you know you don't see players openly um, you know rip on the department player safety that much, um, even though I'm sure they'd like to. Um, I understand it from Kane because it's very similar to the Lawson Kraus hit on McAvoy, um, like very very similar play, and that hit resulted in nothing, um, and so. For him to be upset, I can understand that. Um, at the same time, I think his play is a suspendable play. So was the, the Kraus play. Um, and I think, you know, with the way things have kind of unfolded over the last couple weeks, because the NHL is so close and teams are battling so hard, um, there's been a lot more suspendable type plays, I think, happening over the last few weeks. Um, and I think what you're seeing is a little bit of inconsistency from the Department of Player Safety over um, the suspensions and punishments they hand out, um, especially especially with the Kane incident and the the Kraus hit, where it's very very similar. Um, just that lack of consistency, I think, is a bit frustrating for for players and fans, and that's um, understandable. Um, it'll be interesting to see how things kind of. Uh, unfold if there's more incidents uh, that occur over the next couple weeks, which I'm sure there will be, um, and how kind of punishments are handed out and how you know p- people react to that. I mean, I don't think there's ever been a decision by the Department of Player Safety where everyone's like university been like, that's a great pun. That's yeah, they got that one right. Um, I just don't think that's happened. So um, It'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, after what, everything happens over the next couple of weeks and then looking forward, you know, if there are any changes made to that process by the NHL um, in regards to reviewing certain plays and, and the types of punishments that are handed out. Um, I think a lot of people feel uh, they've been too lenient on a lot of stuff. Uh, and in certain cases, I would agree with that. I think there's some suspensions that have been a little bit more on the lenient side and you always want to protect your players, make sure... Uh, that they're safe and make sure no one's doing anything uh, overly dangerous. So um, we will see uh, moving forward um, what happens there. 
also, and I forgot to mention this earlier because uh, I did not write it down. I um, just want to talk once again before we go about the Panthers-Oilers game yesterday. Um, two fights in that game, one of which was off. Uh, Barkov went down for a bit. Um, it was kind of scary for Panthers fan. He looked a bit shaken up. Went to the room for a bit. Came back. Um, so good news there, um, but it looked a little scary at first. Um, I think it was Matt Benning who delivered the hit. Um, not really a dirty hit by any means either way. Um, but yeah, to see Barkov go down after the injuries had um, was not ideal. Um, but having him come back and he played well the rest of the game. Um, so that's a good sign moving forward. Um, hopefully the Panthers can string together some points here uh, going up against the California teams. Um, and yeah, that is that is about it, guys. I will be back with a new episode on Thursday. Um, and we will see you guys then. Another shot for the Cats to win it in the seventh round. Barkov, let's go home, baby!